closing out our series on prayer. Uh, our series on prayer. If you remember in week one, uh, we taught from the text, Gospel of Luke chapter 11, where the disciples uh, made a request of Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And I believe that's because the disciples, as they were witnessing the life of Jesus, they witnessed two things uh, about Jesus in prayer. They saw his consistency and his commitment to prayer, but I believe they also saw the results of prayer. And the disciples recognized that there was this correlation between uh, uh, prayer and this relationship with God. There was a correlation between prayer and power in their lives, and so they wanted to know how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so uh, this, this desire that they had uh, uh, to know more about prayer, uh, and my hope is that we too would desire the same thing, that we would desire to have a lifestyle of prayer. And if you remember in week one, uh, we talked about the fact that in order for us to have a lifestyle of prayer, we've got to make the time, we've got to find the place, and we've got to have a plan. We've got to have a plan if we want a lifestyle of prayer, not just momentary prayer, not just sporadic prayer, not just prayer in times of need, not just prayer in times of emergency, but a lifestyle of communion with God, a lifestyle of conversation with God. And so week one was about us having a lifestyle of prayer. And so in regards to the plan, people ask the question, well, how do I pray? Well, Jesus gives us the plan. He gives us the blueprint, the template. We see this in the Lord's prayer. Matthew 6, we, 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 we see this where Jesus lays out for us, if you want to know how to pray, this then is how you should pray. And so we've been going through the Lord's Prayer over the last two weeks and kind of uh, uh, just spending some time in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us that prayer not so that we could recite it. See, we can recite things without understanding them. We can recite things without them impacting our heart. Jesus gave us that prayer as an outline. He says, if you want to know how to pray, here's what you need to include in your time of prayer. And so we went through that over the past few weeks. And my hope is that there's been a desire stirred up on the inside of you to have a lifestyle of prayer. I hope that desire is for all of us. And I hope that uh, over the past few weeks, as we've stepped into this 21 days of prayer as a church, that many of you have accepted the challenge to say, I'm going to live a life that has a lifestyle of prayer. I'm going to live a life where prayer is the norm for me, where prayer is, is as necessary as, as breathing is to me. And so we've been talking about these different aspects of prayer, the pattern of prayer, the blueprint that Jesus gave for us in prayer, really seeing this, this idea that, that in the New Testament we read numerous times where we see God is desiring to answer our prayers. He's desiring to answer our prayer. If you, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. Like numerous times we see in the New Testament where, where God is, is emphasizing the fact that he desires to answer prayer. But today I want to talk on the subject that we don't really talk about a lot, but I think it's a very common uh, subject for us because it's a subject we can all relate to. And I want to talk to us on the subject of unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. What does it mean when it feels like God is silent towards you? I don't know about you, but I can thoroughly relate to unanswered prayer. 
I can relate to seasons of my life where it felt like God was silent. Anybody other than me ever felt like God was silent towards you? And those are tough seasons because you, you trust God and, and you have faith in God's ability. We, we sing the songs, right? We sing the worship and, and we talk about how awesome he is. We talk about how he's a way maker. We talk about all these things and his greatness and how great and awesome he is. But what about those seasons where he's just silent? What about those seasons where we just don't hear him? Have you ever prayed and just felt like God is just not listening? Have you ever prayed and just felt like God was just not there? We see this in the life of a man named Job. Job was a man who feared God. He was a man that uh, uh, was favored by God. He was a man that, that loved God. And, and yet Job went through a season where he, he lost everything. He lost his family. He, he lost his wealth. He, he, he lost so much, went through a season of heartache, went through a season of pain. And Job, the same Job who feared God, the same Job who trusted God, even he had some questions. Job 30, 20. After Job had gone through all that he's gone through, after Job had gone through this dark season in his life, he makes this statement. He says, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. Well, that's pretty discouraging. That's pretty discouraging. That could easily discourage someone in regards to prayer. That could easily discourage someone in the same way. People can probably understand Job and think, yeah, well, I get that because I don't feel prayer works for me. I don't feel like God hears me. I don't feel like God sees me. I cry out to you, but you don't answer. I pray, God, but I don't seem to get an answer. What's the deal? What's the deal with unanswered prayer? Is it me? Is it you, God? What? Why don't I see answered prayer? Why don't I feel like you're listening to me? Why don't I feel like you're, you're, you're present with me in my time of need? Because then we read passages like Jeremiah 33. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Well, that sounds pretty legit. That sounds pretty simple. Call to me and I will answer you. That's, that's God saying, I, I'm, call to me. Re, I, I want to hear you. Pray to me. Reach out to me. I will answer you. Well, well, what is that? Is that false advertising? Numerous times throughout scripture, we see this over and over again. God hearing the cries of his people. God desiring to meet need. God desiring to answer prayer. Is it false advertising? If it's not, then why is there unanswered prayer? If it's not, then God, why are there moments where you seem silent to me. 
And I would just present to you this morning in our time together is that in regards to unanswered prayer, in regards to moments where God is seeming silent towards us, I think we just need a better understanding of how God works. If you're here this morning struggling with doubt, if you're here this morning struggling with the reality of unanswered prayer, struggling with the reality that God is silent towards you, then maybe we just need a better understanding of how God works. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give us five things to remember, five takeaways. Five things to remember when we feel like God is silent. Five things to remember when we feel like God is silent. I hope you're taking notes this morning. When it seems like God is silent, remember these five things. Number one, write this down. When it seems like God is silent, always remember that God doesn't have blind spots. God doesn't have blind spots. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we, we see here that, that there's nothing even within us. There's nothing within us that, that, that God cannot see. God sees all. God knows all. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Time does not constrain God. God knows past. God knows present. God knows future. God knows everything. So what that means is that God has a better vantage point of our lives than we do. God has, if we were to put it in our time that we can relate to, imagine if you would our GPS device or whatever we use for GPS or for getting to our destination. For some folks, Google Maps, for some folks it's Siri, whatever that is for you. And you know, to be honest, I can't even imagine life without GPS tracking nowadays. I don't know how I used to do it in the past. Right. Can you give me directions? Well, yeah, it's by that red house on the left in the corner. And like I, I like I, we used to literally have to write all this stuff down. Like 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 how do we even get by? But imagine, if you will, God being uh, our, our satellite view right of our lives. God sees all just like a, a GPS would use a satellite to view uh, uh, the entire map, the entire world and see you. Well, God sees us from that vantage point. And oftentimes when you're using GPS to get to your destination, you, you input your destination and, and GPS starts to lead you uh, in, the, in the right direction of your destination. But oftentimes what will happen is uh, there will be times where, where your GPS will, will reroute you.
For me, it's, it's often, you know, I'm, I'm driving using my, my, my Siri or whatever, and, and, and in the middle of my, my journey, uh, it'll reroute me and say, due to traffic up ahead, uh, there, this, if you take this route, uh, it, it may save you three minutes, or uh, to avoid the traffic up ahead or the accident up ahead, I need you to take this different route. Oftentimes, that's how God is treating us. Because, see, God has a better vantage point of our lives than we do. And so oftentimes, our, our, our prayer requests that we lay before God, what we see as denied requests, oftentimes is God giving us an alternate route. Oftentimes, it's, saying God, it's God saying, no, I don't want you to go that way. I need you to go this way. Why? Because I'm trying to get you to avoid what's ahead. God doesn't have blind spots. He sees your life better than you do. And I don't know about you, but, but I think some of us in here need to thank God for not answering all your prayers. Some of you in here need to thank God for unanswered prayer. Because some of you know you were praying for things at one point in your life. You were fasting for things. And now, some years later, looking back, hindsight, you're like, God, thank you for not answering that prayer for me. God, thank you that I didn't get in that relationship. God, thank you that I didn't make that decision. God, thank you that you didn't give me that job. Some of you need to thank God for unanswered prayer. Some of you need to thank God that he didn't answer all your prayer requests the way that you wanted us to. He has protected us from things at times we don't even know about. God doesn't have blind spots. Proverbs 2, 8, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. He doesn't have blind spots. God has a way better vantage point of your life than you do. God doesn't have blind spots. Another thing we need to remember whenever we feel like God is silent towards us, is we need to remember that ultimately God always has a better idea. He ultimately has a better idea for us. Let me break that down. Isaiah 55, 8, we know this passage of Scripture, right? He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I need you to, to focus in on the word ways, W-A-Y-S, ways, which means that God has more than one way of doing things. God has more than one way of doing things. Let me, let, let's, let's, let's take this even a, a step further. Um, some of you in here are really praying for God for uh, uh, your finances, right? You, you need God to, to work a miracle in your finances. 
In our mind, we have one way of how we feel God should work that miracle for us. And that's for him to increase our finances, which he could do. He could supernaturally send you a check in the mail. I don't know. It's been done before. God could supernaturally, as soon as you're walking out the door of church today, somebody could come up to you and say, man, I felt like the Lord told me to bless you with this. That could happen. Some of you are like, yes, Lord. I receive it, yes. God could increase your finances. That's, that's one way that God could come through for you financially. But what if the other way isn't him increasing your finances? What if he instructs you to decrease your spending? God, I need you to come through for me financially. I need a supernatural miracle. I need a supernatural financial breakthrough in Jesus' name. Yeah, okay, cut off your Netflix. Cut off your Prime. Cut off that Disney Plus. Cut off all those subscriptions. Stop eating out all the time. Stop doing. What, what, if, what if that's another way he's saying, I, that, you know how I want to bless you financially? I'm going to get you to decrease your spending. God has more than one way. God has more than one way of doing anything, doing things. Why? Because he has far better ideas for us than we do. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Do we trust his ways? Do we trust his ways? Do we, do we truly, truly trust his ways? When do we get to the point where we stop thinking that we know ourselves better than God does? God knows what you need. God has a far better idea for our life than we do. Oftentimes we think we know how it should be done. And God says, no, your ways are not my ways. We don't think on the same level. I've got something far different for you. When I think about this passage of scripture, when I think about that idea, I think about Daniel. And if you're familiar with Daniel, Daniel's another one who was a a person that was after God's heart. He was one. He was a man of prayer. He was a man who sought the Lord. He was a man who who loved the Lord. And, and, And Daniel, if you read the book of Daniel, you'll read a time in his life where there were people who who hated on Daniel. There were people who didn't like Daniel. They were jealous of Daniel because of of the amount of favor that he had on his life. And so these people that hated Daniel, they conspired a plan against him. They knew Daniel was a man of prayer. And so these people that conspired against Daniel, they they went to the king and were like, hey, you know what? You should put a decree out that it's illegal, that it is against the law to pray to any other God, to pray to any other being other than you, king. Well, obviously, that's problematic for Daniel because Daniel prayed to his God. Daniel was faithful to his God. And so Daniel said, I'm not going to allow that decree. I'm not going to allow that law to stop me from praying to my God. So Daniel prays to his God still. 
Well, he violates the law. And these people turn him in. And the result of that is the fact that Daniel is sentenced to be thrown into the lion's den. That's a passage we probably may be familiar with. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think when Daniel heard that he was about to be thrown into the lion's den, that Daniel prayed, God, keep me out of the lion's den? Do you think Daniel got on his knees and said, Lord, prevent me from being thrown into that pit with those lions? I would think so. That's what I'd be praying. God, work a miracle. God, do something. I do not want to be thrown in this lion's den. But we know what happens. God, Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Thrown into the lion's den. Even after possibly he prayed against that. But see, God didn't want to keep Daniel out of the lion's den. God wanted to shut the mouths of the lions. Right? And so I thought about that in my own life. And maybe you can relate this in yours too. Oftentimes we're praying for God to keep us out of the lion's den. And you and I have different lion's dens. We're praying God to keep us out of this situation. We're praying for God to keep us out of this uh, season. We're praying God to keep us out of this type of harm. We're praying God for, to prevent us from all these different things. But what if God doesn't want to keep you out of that? Instead, he wants to shut the mouths of the lion. So what if you're allowed to go through the season you're going in just so God can shut the mouth of the lion? Because when God shuts the mouth of the lion, that's when he gets glory. And so what if you're walking through the season that you're in right now, however dark it may be, just so God can get glory? We're trying so hard to stay out of the lion's den. But what if we're supposed to be in there? Remember, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so what you feel is unanswered prayer, this lion's den you may be walking through right now, this season of life you may be going through right now that you just hate being in, What if this is an opportunity for God to get glory? What if it's an opportunity for God to shut the mouths of the lion? God has a far better idea for our lives than we do. God has more than one way of doing things. His ways are not our ways. God has a better idea. So when God seems silent, when we seem to be going through what we would deem as unanswered prayer, another thing we need to remember about God is that God always has an unseen purpose. God always has an unseen purpose. Isaiah 46, 10, says, I make known the end from the beginning from ancient times. What is still to come, 
I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. For those of us that are walking in Christ Jesus, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, I would present to you today that behind every problem you're going through right now, there's a purpose in that. God doesn't cause the problems, but I promise you his purposes will prevail in them. Did you catch that? God doesn't cause the problem, but his purpose will prevail in the midst of it. See, God does not uh, uh, involve himself with things that don't have eternal, eternal purpose behind it. Everything God gets involved in has an eternal purpose. And if you feel that you are one that God is involved in your life, then I promise you God has something, has an eternal purpose for your life. And so we need to understand that there is this unseen purpose that we have, even in the midst of our trial, even in the midst of what we're going through, even in the midst of what we would deem as unanswered prayer, we got to trust that there is an unseen purpose in there. 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, some of us think that the, that, the, that the season that we're in right now is the eternal season we're forever going to be in. Some of you think the despair and trial and issues you're going through right now, you, you can't see beyond it. You think this is the way it's just always going to be, but the reality is there is an unseen eternal purpose behind it. The purposes of God will prevail in the midst of your dark season. We fix our eyes not on what is seen. You see, some of us are so fixated on our issue. We're so fixated on our problem. Maybe for a moment we need to take our eyes off of that and begin to stop and ask God, God, what is your purpose in all of this? What is your purpose in this mess that I'm walking through right now? What is your purpose? When God seems silent, another thing we need to remember, and this is probably one of the biggest things you need to get before you leave here today. When God seems silent, we got to remember that God is always motivated by love. God is always motivated by love. But see, here's, here's, here's where it gets tricky. Because see, when we're in the middle of that place, when we're in the middle of that season where God seems silent, when we're in the middle of that season where we feel like we have unanswered prayer and it doesn't all make sense, this is where the devil comes at you and tries to get you to doubt God's love for you. Maybe you're in the middle of this season you're in right now because God just doesn't love you. God doesn't want to have, it to have anything to do with you. 
You're going through the problem you're going through right now because God doesn't really care for you. See, the devil will use that. He'll use it against you. He'll use it to cast seeds of doubt in you. But God is always motivated by love. Psalm 25, 10 says, all the ways of the Lord. Say all the ways. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For my parents that are in the room, have you ever had an experience with any of your children who hated when you said no? Anybody? Anybody ever had that experience with your child that they just couldn't stand the fact that you said no and they think that everything that you do is out to destroy their joy? Man, I can't do nothing. You don't let me do anything. Mom, Dad, you're just the joy stealer. You don't want your kid to have any type of happiness. That's what they think. They think you're out to steal all their joy. They think you're out to steal all their happiness. But the reality is they don't know better. They don't know better. They just think you're the source of all the suffering in their life because you said no. But the truth is, I don't want my kids to suffer. The truth is, I don't want my kids to go through heartache. I don't want my kids to go through pain. So some of the things that I say no to is to prevent them from experiencing heartache. I shared the story one time when my daughter Sophie was about four years old and she came running out the house. And I man, she came shooting straight out the house. And I'm I'm in the car and I'm going to the car, unlocking the door, I'm doing something by the car, and I see her at the corner of my eye running out the house, and she's darting straight for the street, like she's just not stopping. Well, there's a truck coming. And I see Sophie running down the, 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 the yard, and I see her just running, and she's just not stopping. And so I yell at her, and when I yell at her, I grab her forcefully. I forcefully yank her back, jerks her neck, jerks her body. And I'm yelling at her at the same time. Why? because I was trying to save her life. Was I forceful with her? Yes. Did it scare her? Yes. Did it steal her? I mean, she was happy running out of the house. All smiles, that smile turned to fear, that smile turned to crying, that that smile almost turned to pain. I wasn't trying to rob her of her joy, I was trying to save her life. And so oftentimes, some of the things that we're walking through, some of the rerouting, the unanswered prayer, 
some of the things that you're really praying to God for, that you hope that he comes through for you for, you're believing he's going to come through for you for, that you haven't, you haven't seen or it hasn't been given to you yet or hasn't been answered yet, and you think, God, you're not coming through for me, God. You're not trying to bring me joy. You're trying to rob me of joy. A lot of those things is because God is saying, no, I'm doing that for your joy. I'm rerouting you. All the ways of the Lord, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. Everything the Lord does towards you is motivated in love. Everything. He's not out to steal your joy. But he desires for you to experience joy. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good for those who, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, we know that passage over and over and over again, but we, we need to emphasize the all things. We know that in all things, all things doesn't mean everything that you like. All things even represents those seasons that are dark. All things even represents those seasons that are painful. All things even represents those seasons where you don't get what you pray for. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And finally, the last point, and then I'm closing with this. That if you're experiencing unanswered prayer, you're experiencing a season where you feel like God is silent. The one thing I need you to remember about God is that God always gives us grace. God always gives us grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times, say three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here we have Paul talking about this, this thorn in his flesh. And many speculate that they know what it is, and the reality is we don't know what this thorn in the flesh was. But it, was, but it was something that, that it, was, it, was, it was hurtful and painful enough that, that Paul was pleading three times with God to take it away. God, I need you to come through for me. I need you to remove this thorn out of my flesh. I need you to remove whatever this is that is, that is bothering him. Paul had a prayer request that God would change his situation. And I love God, God's answer to him. Well, let me take that back. 
I've learned to love God's answer for him. God doesn't tell Paul, hey, Paul, I got you. I'll I'll remove that for you. Because you didn't just pray one time. You didn't just pray two times. You prayed three times. I've got you. Let me remove that for you. No. All he tells Paul is, you know what, Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. Meaning my grace is all you need. And I love the fact that we don't know what this thorn in his flesh is. Because if we knew what it was, I think we'd be real quick to disassociate from it if it was something we didn't have. But the fact that he left it open and we don't know what it is, I think we can all relate to a thorn in the flesh. Because some of you are living with that thorn right now. Some of you are living with something. Some of you are walking through something. Did you plead and plead and plead with God to, to change? Did you plead with God to remove? Did you plead with God to come through and do something for you? And nothing has happened. And you just chalked it up to God, well, that's just unanswered prayer. And God, you're just being silent with me. Or God, you just don't love me. Or God, what am I doing wrong? And all the while, God may be saying, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. See, some of you are believing God for some pretty big things. Some of you are believing for God to come through for you on something so miraculous. Maybe it is a healing. Maybe there's an ailment or sickness or disease or something in your body. Maybe it is a financial miracle. Whatever it is, God is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is all those things. But let me ask you a question that I I really want you to think about before you answer. What if God doesn't change your situation? What if God doesn't come through for you financially like you're really praying for him to? What What if you're not seeing your healing? that you've been praying for 5, 10, 15 years for? What if the situation isn't changing? Would you be okay with that? Do you trust God enough that he has graced you to walk through whatever it is that you're walking through right now? This lion's den. What if that thing that you're going through in your life right now is the only thing keeping you on your face before God? What if God knows that, man, if I change their situation, they're not going to talk to me anymore. 
they're not going to rely on me anymore. They're not going to cry out to me anymore. Yeah, if, I, if I'm, I may bless them financially, and what happens if they get blessed and they go on and they do great things with their money and everything? What if they just stop talking to me anymore? What if there's no more desperation to reach out to me anymore? Then they no longer need to trust me. You just need to trust and believe and know that his grace is sufficient for you. And I know that's not so popular because I know we, 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 we pray for a miracle and we believe God to come through. But, but I do believe that there, there are seasons, there are moments in our lives where we just need to walk through the lion's den. There are seasons where we just need to walk through the lion's den and trust that he's going to shut the mouths of the lion. I don't like the lion's den. I don't like it one bit. I don't like this dark season. I don't like this pain. Chris, you don't understand. I, you don't understand the pain that I'm going through. Chris, you don't understand how... how how hard it is at times to live check the check and wondering how I'm going to pay my bill, how I'm going to get things. Chris, you just don't know. But if that's the only thing that's keeping you on your face before God, if that's what keeps you talking to him, if that's what keeps you trusting and relying on him, then his grace is sufficient for you. It isn't that God, has an un, that God hasn't answered your prayer. It's that God wants you to trust him and keep trusting him no matter how long it takes.